Hey, real quick, would you like to join me for a fun and super practical challenge to increase your online visibility? The Visibility Kickstarter Challenge is hosted by my friend Alina Vincent, who, if you don't know, she is the queen of online challenges. <clears throat> and that means that this is going to be one of the most actionable, value-packed, and fast-to-implement challenges that you have ever been a part of. I recently used her challenge method in my last launch, and it was the most effective challenge we have ever run, and it was easier than any, ever, any challenge we've ever run uh, as well. It is completely free, so if you want to join me, I'll be there. Head over to jenlaner.com forward slash 084 to sign up. And again, that's jenlaner, L-E-H-N-E-R.com forward slash 084. Hey guys, it's Gary Vay, Nerd Chuck, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl, Jen. You are going to love our guest today. She's a launch strategist, an email copywriter for online entrepreneurs, digital course creators, and freelance service providers. She's written for many seven-figure course creators, including Amy Porterfield, Kim, Kim Constable, and Ingrid Arna. This amazing woman recently made the transition from low-priced copywriter to in-demand launch strategist, and she's used only email to sell out her mastermind, fill her client calendar, and even have the occasional $100,000 month while working 30 hours per week and being the sole provider for a family of four. Welcome to the Front Row Podcast for Entrepreneurs, Tarzan Kay. Hey, Jen, I'm really excited to be in your distinguished lineup of guests. <laughs> well, it's so good to have you here. And um, I, I just let's just start off with these crazy numbers of yours. I think it's great that you're having $100,000 months. But what about people who have small email lists? How realistic is it to make $100,000 at all, much less $100,000 a month if you only have like 1,000 people on your email list? Yeah. Okay. So full disclosure, I only did it one time, but when I told my friend about it and some of my copywriter friends, my one friend, she said, Oh, you broke the four minute mile. And everyone in that group was like, Oh yeah. Like they saw that I could love do it. it. And so yeah. they could do it too, which I loved. It was really exciting. Cause I was the first one in this little group of us to do it. And amazing. yeah, it is amazing. I, I, while it was happening, I was like, what is happening? I think I'm going to break six <laughs> figures this month. Like the, and wow. by the way, like that's not like projected. That's not booked income. That's like my Stripe account actually read 128.5,000 at the end of the month. Like, oh, it my was, goodness. yeah, it was unreal. Um, well, it was real. But uh, at the time, I got to look and see the exact number. I don't know if ConvertKit will tell me that, but I would estimate that I had between 2,000 and 2,500 people on my email list. So I know it's possible to do huge revenue with a small number of people, it's really all about nurturing them. Like in the old days, the old days of the internet, you know, that's like three years ago, uh, we said the money's in the list. And then it became the money is in your relationship to the list. And what I have been figuring out over the last month, or like actually just since January of this year is like, no, actually the money is in your relationship to each individual subscriber. 
And when you start thinking about subscribers that way, like instead of leads, instead of just a number, and you treat them like people, like and do that personal connection, you can do so much with a small list. So yeah, like I did a six figure month with, let's say 2500 people, could it be done with a 1000? For sure it could. Okay, but so what's an example of that? So how how do you develop that relationship with that singular person? So you and I talk a lot about bomb bomb. You know I love bomb bomb. Um that's just one of the ways that you can reach out to people. Like whenever I'm in a launch, I love sending personalized videos. So I will target like the most engaged people in a launch. So let's say um comment like the most important segment for me is the people who signed up to my webinar, they attended my webinar and they were also active in the chat. So those people and there's not many of them like I don't I don't do multiple thousand person webinars. If I've got say I don't know, 500 people signed up to a webinar, maybe 200 people showed up, maybe there's like 20 or 30 people that are actually active in the chat like really asking if someone comes and asks a pertinent question like those are the hottest people and those people I'm going to be on them. Like I'm going to send them personalized videos I'll thank them for being like such a great member of the of the show because actually a good webinar depends on people showing up and being active. You know, like make them feel really valued because I do value them. Uh, and just let them know like I'm here if you have any questions. Just like anytime you can get in front of people and remind them like I'm a real person and I see that you're a real person. So right. hey, if you need to talk to me, you can talk to me. Like I've, I've done, like, I've sent my phone number out on cart close day of a launch. Like anyone that is willing to call me, they're buying for sure. Like they just need me to tell them that it's safe and that someone is actually on the other end of this deal. So all those little personal touches, like those are so many more times likely to convert than a mass email to the entire list. And of course I do that too. Because that's how I find those people that are really engaged. But those personal touches, like th that's where you really convert people to buyers. And I think there's this, um, we assume that, that anyone who's having like a seven-figure launch, that it's entirely passive and they're just like sending out emails and doing a bunch of webinars. But what I see with my clients who are doing that is like, they are actually talking to people like they can't talk to everybody, but even they see like those personal touches are so important. They're not thinking about their sale just like, oh, I'm just going to get hundreds of people in my program, whatever. Like they are thinking about individuals and talking to individuals. And I think that's really what separates people that are really successful with email marketing and those that are so, so at it. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing that myself for sure. I think that's where we are right now is that people, people, well, I think people just because we're people, like we want to be seen, we want to be acknowledged. And the more that we can, can say to people, I see you, I hear you, mm. um, you know, only good things can come from that. So I love that you're, I love that you're doing that. Now, let me ask you this though. So if your first touch point is with an email blast, mm -hmm. uh, we don't really like the word blast, but you no. know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, all these emails, don't you think, I mean, what do you say to people who say to you, aren't people already getting way too much email? Yeah, I think people are getting way too much email, but I think there is actually a shortage of email that's done really well. 
Like someone, someone, I saved this email that someone sent me a couple years ago and she said, I save your emails to read as a treat. And I was like, wow, oh, that is the best thing. Like when you open my emails, I want you to feel like, like you're reading the next chapter of a really great novel. And I think there's a huge shortage of that. Like, yeah, we all get tons of promotional emails, invites to webinars or like, you know, newsletter emails or whatever. But those great stories, like that really is what gets people like, that's how you develop that relationship and make people actually excited when your name comes in their inbox rather than like, oh, here we go. Like this person again, delete. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I remember, I I don't remember where I heard this. It was some, it was before I started podcasting and someone was giving the advice. They were, they were like an expert podcaster and they said, Look, the first the first episodes you do, they're going to be terrible. Like you should just know that. No, they're really they're going to be terrible. You but you got to do the terrible ones, you know, in order to eventually have the good ones. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm 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 okay with that. I also think about my first emails. Mm-hmm. Actually, they don't have to be my first. I'm thinking of some that I sent mm-hmm. like maybe six months ago. There's a couple in there that really make me cringe. Like mm-hmm. I wish that I could. And that that never happened, but but they're out there. I mean, and maybe the other the people on the other end didn't think much about it, but but I just know they were a little bit cheesy. So I mean, there definitely is an art to writing good emails. I mean, can you give us just some uh, just a few basic pointers? Yeah, for sure. Since you are so good at it, for sure. Yeah, the first thing though, like you made a really great point there. You're going to write some some crappy emails. Like I've definitely written my share and still sometimes something goes out that I'm like, oh, that was so, so. But what I see is a really, really common is like I see people working hard to like create this opt-in and to get their first subscribers. Maybe they're running some ads, like getting some people coming onto their list and they're so scared to email them because they think the email has to be perfect they're like, I'm not good at writing. That's a very common thing that I hear people say all the time. And actually, the whole secret to being a great writer is that great writers write. Like, I am a great writer because I have written thousands of emails. Like, for a long time, emails were all I did. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote emails like every single day, sometimes by the dozen. So, go ahead. No, I mean, I just, I love that. Like, the way that you become a great writer is by writing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that, yeah, it sounds sure. obvious, but that's the, uh, that's a great tip. Yeah. Consistent, repetitive writing. Now, there are some things, some basics that it's really helpful to know. Like, when you're writing an email, really important rule of email that you can break once in a while, but try not to in general is one email, one job. That's the rule of one. And that's one of the most important rules of copywriting. So you don't email your list and ask them to do 30 different things. If you released a new podcast, you're going to send an email and the whole email is going to be about one that one podcast episode. You never sent like ask them, oh, and also I have this private Facebook group. Keep it specific to one thing. And always like whenever I'm sitting down to write an email, no matter what it's about, whether it's a newsletter email, a nurture email, like a promo email, I always ask myself like, okay, what's the story here? And once I know what story I'm trying to tell, then I always look for a hook. So another important rule of copywriting and both of these rules, I got to say one of my mentors who I learned from Joanna Weeb, I learned she's like the queen of conversion copywriting. So a lot of this I learned from her. 
Um, but she taught me about what she calls the battlefield principle. And that means you drop your reader in the middle of the action. So you don't Ooh. like if you think about the battle and there's like you drop them in the middle, which is like these two kings and they're like sword to sword fighting for the future of their realm. And then you don't start with like, Han, years ago, there was a feud between the two families, one person married outside the other and like, blah, 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 I'm already sleeping. Like, you don't start with the conflict that led up to the battle, you start with like that most important moment in the battle. One of my, um, one of my clients, he sent an email out recently. And oh, this was one of the best emails I've read in a long time. And he said, um, he's a lawyer and he was like, he's, he's out for dinner with some friends and he gets a call and they say, there's, um, there's some sort of conflict happening. Two FBI agents are down. Do we have your permission to use lethal force? <laughs> okay, then. I was like, oh my God, I have to know the story. Yeah. That was such a perfect example of dropping the reader in the middle of the action. Like I challenge anyone who got that email to not read what happened next. Okay. Yeah. But now it's not so, but for those of us who lead very boring lives and yeah. like the most exciting thing that's going to happen to me today is like something like, you know, I don't know, a neighbor four houses down. In fact, I got an alert on my phone that there's suspicious activity that a package was stolen from somebody's front door. Okay. So that's, that's the excitement in Shaker Heights, Ohio today. What, you know, so, so how, how can we turn the mundane into something like the middle of the action? I mean, not to put yeah. it on the spot, Tarzan. Can yeah. No, give an example? this is also a really common thing is that we all think we don't have anything to write about, but in reality, like, no matter whether you have a tame life or like a really exciting one, human life is incredible. Like people die, babies are born. Like we go through these incredible experiences all the time. And actually the stuff that people most relate to is, is the stuff that we all go through. So, you know, a couple of, couple of weeks ago, I wrote an email about how like I, it's so busy being a mom and a business owner that like, I want to hide in the closet like half the time. And uh, that was like, people really relate to that. So yes, telling them about uh, needing to give permission to use lethal force is exciting. And that made a great email. But ultimately, the stuff that people will relate to way more is like your story about the suspicious, the suspicious package. Like, there's definitely a story there. It's about like, how lucky we are to live in such a neighborhood where we're so safe. And that's like the most exciting thing that happened all day. You know, you can really turn like once you get practicing and you do start telling stories and like get used to dropping people in the middle of the story and working backwards from a hook, really, you can make anything sound exciting. It doesn't have to be as exciting as my client Bobby's email. I love it. Well, you know, when we send an email, like I generally know when I when I hit it because when I hit it right because I get a bunch of responses and it's yeah. the best feeling, mm -hmm. right? When you get all those replies. So so you generally know that your email did well because you're you're getting you're getting engagement from it. But what are how else do we know that our emails are effective? Are there any metrics that we should be tracking? Yeah. So actually, of course you can look at your metrics. You can look at your open, your click-through rates, but what you just said there, the number of replies, that is, I would say, by far the most important metric, especially if you are, um, especially if you have a small list. Because what you don't know is like when you look at industry standard numbers, that's 
industry standard for people with a list of 20,000 or 50,000 or 100,000, multiple hundreds of thousands, okay? Like when people say like a 2% conversion rate is standard or um, 19% open rate is considered good. Like, yeah, if you have hundreds of thousands, but if you have a smaller list, like a few thousand or even a few hundred, you would expect your open rates to be like far higher. And the other thing, like there's so many factors when it comes to metrics. Like, have you scrubbed your list recently? Because if you don't get rid of cold subscribers, that can drag your numbers down. So I definitely recommend paying the most attention to how responsive are people. Like if you send out something controversial, do they hit reply and tell you their opinion? If you ask a question, do they hit reply and answer? I recently, I had this experience a couple of weeks ago. This was so funny. I was like, I sent out a couple of emails. It was like, it felt like it had been a couple of weeks since I'd had a reply. And I email my list once or twice a week pretty consistently. Um, so I'd sent out a bunch of emails and I was like, something is off. Like I, I know something's off. Like we have to do a list scrub for sure. We haven't done one in like eight months or something. So I, you know, I got on the phone with my manager, let's like run the list scrub sequence. And, and then I realized, um, that I had asked her like a couple weeks ago to create a special folder for my newsletter replies to go and divert them elsewhere. And I finally found this folder and clicked on like, there was probably like 30 emails waiting for me. I just felt such a wash of relief. Like I thought that I was losing my game or something. Oh my gosh. Well, Speaking of list scrubbing, though, let's just talk about that for two seconds because it's very relevant to me right now. So selfishly, I want to use this time to ask you for some advice. So I am about to actually do my first real list scrub. It's so it just feels so bad. Like you just think of all the Facebook ads you ran and all the things you did to grow this number, right? It's so psychological. Mm-hmm. So I have this number and if I'm being honest, like if I go in and look at my cold subscribers, it's almost half mm-hmm. because I've had this list for forever and I wasn't always the most diligent about sending out regular emails. So I'm much better now and I think my emails are a lot better, but I really have to go in there and like basically cut my list in half. I just mm-hmm. want to hear you say like, that's okay. Oh my gosh. So if it's really just van- like a vanity metric that you're worried about, you can rest assured as soon as you get rid of those subscribers your open rates and your click-through rates are going to go way up, which is going to feel awesome. And also your the cost of maintaining those subscribers is going to go down because every new bracket, you pay more money, right? So you're carrying all those subscribers and paying for them um, and they are not useful to you at all. And that like this... We, we get like so obsessed and attached to like the number of subscribers. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client come to me and they're like so excited to like work on their next launch. And they tell me about their email list and they've got like 15,000 people on their list. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I doing wrong? Like I only have 5,000. This person's like brand new and they have 15,000. And then I'm like, wait, okay, let's look at the numbers here. Like they've got this big list, like great. But my revenue is like much higher. My launches are doing much better. So I also have to like consciously take my focus off the number of subscribers because it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the number of subscribers. It's so much about um, about your relationship with those. And another thing, Jen, and this is you're going to love this. Your deliverability is going to go up 
when more people on your list are opening your emails. Like your deliverability is going to be hurt if all these people there, you know, a lot of those might be going to spam, which is not good for you. So just clean mm-hmm. that up. You're, it's going to feel so good. Like it's going to hurt a little bit to hit delete. And you definitely want to make sure as many people as possible actively unsubscribe themselves. That would be great. Or actually click on, yes, I want to still hear from you. So when you do a list scrub sequence, and um, I'll, I'll give you the swipe after for it. Um, when you do a list scrub sequence, you want to, you want to make like you give them, you send three. I always send three. And I always tell them like, can you take action here? Either say, yes, I want to hear from you or no, unsubscribe. It's better if people unsubscribe because then you can save that data from them because probably some of those people who are cold, they might have purchased something from you in the past and you do want to actually keep that data. So it's going to be helpful for you or you may need it in the future. So ideally they unsubscribe. It's fine if you have to delete them though. Oh, that's such a relief. Seriously, I'm so excited. I'm going to do that like like today. So thank Great. you. I mean, I'm going to start the sequence today. Okay. So let's, so since we're, since we're talking about size, I have a lot of listeners who will be launching for the first time. They're in the middle of their first launch or, or they're thinking about creating an online course or something and launching it. How big do you, th- how big do you recommend their email list bef- be before they go about something? like that? I would really try and get to 500 engaged subscribers. I think that is a good baseline and then it would be worth it for you. I would also recommend for, because it it really, it is so heartbreaking to launch a product. Like there's so much that goes into launching a course, as you know, and it's really heartbreaking and discouraging if you barely make any money or hardly anyone buys, or maybe you lose money. Like So a lot of people, they want to launch way too soon. They don't want to do the work of building an email list and growing an email list. And that is ultimately what's going to make your launch successful. I've learned that the hard way. Most people do learn that the hard way. Um, But I want to put it out there so people know. So let's say you have 500 people. That's really great. Um, And then when you launch, you want to really think about those personal touches. Like I would not be sending people to a sales page on the first launch to a small list. I would be sending them to book a call. On those sales calls, you're going to create a personal connection. You're going to learn so much about the subscribers, your subscribers' objections and like what sorts of stuff you actually need to be covering in the promo emails that you will eventually write. But I mean, focus on those personal touches, getting people on the phone, one-to-one sales. Hopefully your program is not $300. Maybe it's 1000 or 2000 I would even think about like, if you want to launch a $300 program, actually for the first couple times, like beef it up and like do whatever you need to do to make it worth a little bit more. So you can do those sales calls and like really talk to people and get some good revenue at the end. And then you can think about scaling and doing something that's lower priced, high volume. But what I see happening is like people, A, don't take the time to build a list. And then B, they are applying all these like big list, highly scalable launches that don't really apply when you have a small audience and you can actually add those personal touches. Yeah, that's that's really such good advice. And uh, and you've given us a lot of good advice today. What, what advice do you see most entrepreneurs resisting when it comes to email marketing? And, and what do you think is behind that resistance? Oh, definitely emailing your list every week, like for sure. It's such a simple thing to do. And I like when my business really started taking off, it was after I had been consistently emailing my list biweekly 
for a whole year. And then I, I hadn't for a long time. Like, I think that whole year I didn't really put any offer in front of them. And then I did a buy one, get one offer. For a long time, I worked as a copywriter doing day rate work. And so mm-hmm. I did a buy one, get one half off offer for my day rate. And I got all these buyers and I was like, wow, okay, this is something special. I can actually use my list now as a way to like get clients and get students for my programs. That was a huge eye opener, but that never would have happened if I hadn't committed to regularly emailing my list. And what's in terms of what's behind that resistance, which is a great question. Um, some of the things we talked about earlier, like I'm not good at writing, nothing exciting is ever happening to me. Also, people think they need a reason to email their list. Like I need to have created some new content. When Mm -hmm. I gave myself permission to email my list just to say hi and tell them what's up with me, um, it was only then that I actually started emailing my list. Because prior to that, I was like, well, I can't email them if I don't have a new blog post or I'm not promoting something. And I was like, well, okay, well, forget it. I'm just going to email them. And over that year, like I probably sent a few dozen emails that actually had no purpose other than just to say, hey, and share a story. So um, are you also now giving us permission to send just a friendly email with, with zero call to action? Or do you always put some sort of call to action, even if you're not promoting? No, I don't, I don't always have a call to action. If there's nothing for them to click on in the email, I do, I, I, what I do just always make it entertaining, like have a picture or a GIF or like something to make it exciting. Cause it's, if, if it's just text and there's no link, I don't know. To me, it, to me, it feels a bit boring. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's okay to not have a call to action. I mean, if you have something for sale on your website, like now, I do have a few low priced, like lower ticket items that I could, if the email didn't have any sort of action item, I would just add like a little graphic at the bottom and say like, hey, have you purchased my workshop day rate superstar yet or something like that, right? So or maybe if you have a private Facebook group, you could end with a call to action to join your private Facebook group. Like if you have something, by all means, link to it and don't be shy to link to the same thing a bunch of times. Also, like if you created a blog, um, you don't just send one email about it, like send a couple emails, send one in January and then send another one like in May. I don't know. Um, you can uh, like, especially because there's new subscribers coming to your list every day. Remember, like they not, it's such a low percentage of people that click through. If you think I wrote this blog, I sent it to my list of 500 people at uh, 35% opened it and 5% clicked. That's like in the couple, I don't know what the math is on that, but it's no more than a few dozen people that actually looked at it. So email them again, like tell them, like try a new angle, try a different, different uh, text for the hot link. Um, You could even give it a new, give the blog post a new name. It's, it's totally fine if 12 people that already clicked on it, click on it again. Oh, that's really good. I mean, I, I never think about doing that. I mean, I have blog posts that go back for forever and some of it is uh, probably stale, but I know a lot of my stuff is still for sure evergreen. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's totally. really good. Uh, do you have people who um, like are your favorites whose emails you just, that who, who do this really well, like regular content that you just enjoy reading? Yeah. Or are you too busy to read other people's emails? No, I, I, no, no, never. No, I do love reading other people's emails. I, I do sort of avoid it because I find it distracting. And because email is like my main thing, 
um, I really want to make it like, I really want to stay in my own lane. It's easy mm-hmm. to get distracted with what other people are doing. And uh, for that reason, like I only subscribe to a couple of lists, but uh, mm-hmm. I love Laura Belgray's emails. I think she's doing a really great job with email. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking Shrimp, for those of you who don't know her, also a copywriter, master of email. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy... I like it when people write their own emails and it's pretty, it's pretty obvious when people do and when people don't. Um, Selena Sue, she's pretty open in her emails. I like her stuff. She always has a picture. Um, I used, I don't, not on her list anymore, but I always thought Denise Duffield Thomas did a good job with her emails. They felt personal. Um, I like, like I'm a personal brand and I follow a lot of personal brands. They tend to do a lot better with email. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I like Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday model. Mm -hmm. I don't read them anymore, but I just, I think that's, he's such a good example of how you could, it doesn't have to be like massively long, but they're always pretty valuable. And it's like what he's reading this week, like maybe a cool quote that he heard, what's inspiring him, something funny, you know, what he's pondering, you know, just whatever. But, but uh, I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's just, I could do that. Yeah, I love Five Bullet Friday. I think what's amazing about that is that he has a framework. And I mean, when you have a framework, it makes things so much faster. Another, uh, in terms of guys, for some reason, I was only thinking of women. I really love James Altucher. And I know he doesn't write his own emails, but he Mm -hmm. works with some of the best copywriters around. His emails are so damn good. Like I actually pay to be on certain part, like certain emails I paid to, to be on, like, you know, it's like a newsletter subscription kind of thing. Uh, but they're so good. And he sends a lot, like a lot. If you ever feel like you are scared to send too much email, like get on this guy's list. He probably has a pretty <laughs> high churn rate, but oh yeah. man, his emails are great. And just like put them in a folder. You can read them when you want. There you go. Well, speaking of frameworks, I understand you have uh, some goodies for us today. Oh, yeah, totally. So I have a a sequence of promo emails, totally swipeable. It has that sort of evergreen language, if that's your goal for your program. So if you go to tarzankey.com slash front row, it is, I think it's a 12 or 13 email promo sequence, and it's specifically for promoting an online course. So grab that swipe. And even I, when I start to write, uh, anytime I set out to write a sequence, I look through my swipe file and I start with something that I've already written. It makes the process so much faster, which it means that I can send more emails and I can I can just get more done in the day. Absolutely. I mean, everybody loves good templates. So totally. thank you so, so much, Tarzan. This is like was so incredibly valuable. I really enjoyed it. I know my listeners are so appreciative for all the all the uh, nuggets that you shared with us today. So thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a total pleasure. I can't wait to listen to it. (laughs) I got to say, one of the best things about having a podcast is being able to interview really brilliant people like Tarzan. You guys, I've got to share with you, Tarzan is about to launch uh, a mastermind called Email Stars, and it's for people who want to make sales every time they hit the send button. Also, I want to ask you, and I don't ask you this very often, but if you could head over to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast, I would be so appreciative. That helps other listeners find the show. Have a great day, and I'll see you next time.